All right, turn in your Bible, please, to Habakkuk chapter 3, and give me just a few minutes to give you something that's on my heart tonight about revival. Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you for the song that Teresa gave us a while ago, and for the good spirit in this service, and for the votes tonight, for the uh, update in the Long Range Planning Committee. We thank you for our deacons and Brother Phil, the chairman of our deacons. We thank you, Father, for all of those who have given sacrificially their God's tithes and their offerings during this past month. And we pray thou wilt lay upon our hearts to be faithful in this area of the work. We thank thee that thou art able. Tonight, open the word of God to us and lay upon our hearts a heart cry for revival. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now I have just a few minutes. There's no way I can finish what I would like to say to you tonight, but I want to base what I'm going to say on Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 1, 2, and 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, upon Shigianoth. In my Bible, that's on page 955. You've got the right kind of Bible. Verse 2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. Would you notice verse 2 especially? O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work. Habakkuk lived at a very pivotal time in history. Assyria had conquered northern Israel. And in the year 722, Assyrian hordes had come down and surrounded Bethel and the northern tribes of Israel and had led them into captivity. This is where we get the idea of the ten lost tribes of Israel. They went out into captivity and never effectively came back to, to live in that land again. Some did. Maybe some of the tribes did. Maybe those tribes are not lost. But the point is, they never came back and reestablished the nation Israel. It was gone. It's been over a hundred years now, and the southern nation should have learned a lesson from that northern nation. Should have learned that you cannot sin and ignore God and spit in God's face and ignore the Sabbath day and commit adultery and whoredoms and have all kinds of sin in the land and ignore God. Occasionally they would have a good king like we've had President Reagan, a man who tried to rule by biblical principles whether we agree with every decision he's made or not, who openly has no problem saying God bless you and God bless America and so on. They had a king like that occasionally only to be replaced with a weak, vacillating king who himself 
led Israel, led Judah further into sin and wickedness. And so God, for 40 years now, has been warning through Jeremiah that Judah would go into captivity. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. And he would preach, and they'd throw him in the dungeon, throw him in jail, anything to get rid of him. They'd say ugly things about him. Jeremiah was like, you might say, one of the preachers today or one of the prophets today who is warning America of the judgment to come. And they ignored him. And finally, the Babylonians began to march. Now Habakkuk was a contemporary of Jeremiah. And Habakkuk has heard what Jeremiah has preached. And he's a preacher. And he feels very keenly a kinship to Jeremiah, and yet he can hardly bring himself to believe that God would allow pagan nation Babylon to come in and conquer southern Judah. And so the three chapters of Habakkuk are a controversy. You might say a debate. You might say a dialogue between God and Habakkuk. And in chapter 1, Habakkuk says, Now, Lord, you're more righteous than to do that. I appeal to you. It's like Abraham appealing for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I appeal to you, Lord, you would not allow Babylon to come and conquer our nation. Why, we're more godly than Babylon, even though we've sinned. We at least honor God. We are, we're a theocracy. We're supposed to be. We have the oracles of God. We believe in the name of God, and we, we have a temple and all that. God said, uh, Habakkuk, you just be quiet. I'm working a work that you would not believe if I told you. Couldn't understand it if I told you about it. And so in chapter 2, Habakkuk gets up on his stand, gets up on the tower, and God says, you just stand there on the tower and watch. Watch what I'm going to do. And then write the vision. You write it down, make it plain so everybody can read it, and everybody can understand it, what exactly I am up to. And Habakkuk does it, and what he sees, he is afraid of. He can hardly believe that God's going to do it. And so when we come to chapter 3, it's a prayer of Habakkuk, a pleading of Habakkuk, a beseeching, a supplication. And he says, Lord, I have heard thy speech, and I was afraid. I'm afraid of what I've heard. I can't believe it. Oh, Lord. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. Lord, we need a revival. Lord, we must have a revival. Won't you do that? Won't you do that? Now, the sad tragedy in this instance was that revival, God is always ready to give revival. He's always ready. But the people weren't. And Habakkuk and Jeremiah and the others were not able to lay on the hearts of the people the importance of turning, of repentance, and turning back to God. And so the Babylonians came, and they surrounded the city. And you can read in the last parts of Jeremiah and the last parts of Second Kings and Second Chronicles how the besieged city, how the, how the Babylonians besieged the city. And there was so much famine in the land that some of the people 
in the city of Jerusalem killed their own little babies and ate them because the famine was so terrible. And for two years that siege was there. And finally the Babylonians moved in and tore down the walls and tore down the temple and burned the temple. And later Jeremiah walked through the once holy city and he cried out, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Judgment has come. Now that's just the introduction of what I'd like to preach tonight. My time's already up, but I want to just give you this word. God is always ready to give revival. Amen. Always. He's ready to revive our young people tonight. He's ready. He's ready to revive our adults. He's ready to revive children. He's ready to speak to some juniors' hearts. He's ready to speak to some young adults, to some who are older in life. God is ready. God is ready. He is waiting. He said, Habakkuk, just get up on your tower and watch and wait. I'm ready. But the people weren't. And my question tonight, are we ready for revival? Do we really want it? Or do we want business as usual? Are we satisfied with ourselves? Are we satisfied with our yak, yak, yak? Are we satisfied with our low living? Are we satisfied to coast in and out and have no real respect for the house of God and keep putting our chewing gum under the benches and getting up and walking in and out while we're praying? Is there any fear of God in our hearts? God is ready to give revival, but he waits for us. Amen. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's pray. Our Father, it's hard to be through in just a few minutes in a message like this, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would lay upon the hearts of your people here the severity of the judgment of God. If there is no revival, if there's no turning back to God, if there's no sense of dissatisfaction with ourselves, oh Lord, what then? We saw in the ministry of Habakkuk how tragic an end when the people would not repent and there would be no revival, then there's judgment. Lord, our nation is right on the brink of judgment. Perhaps we're already under the judgment of God and we're so frivolous and so filled with TV and entertainment and games and sports and everything else that we can't even see it. Maybe the pallbearers are at the door already ready to call, carry out this great nation. Oh God, we pray for revival. We pray for revival among the people that are in this building tonight. Lord, touch our young people. Help them to be restless and disturbed with themselves. Help our kids to get serious about the business of loving and serving God. Help our adults, young adults, medium adults, old age adults, all of us. To come to you and say, Lord, I'm not satisfied with myself. 
I need a personal revival. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, please. I'd like for us to sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. We may sing just two stanzas of this song. If you can settle something in your heart that God has spoken to you about, right where you stand, do it. If you need to come and kneel at the altar, do that. However the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. My prayer is, Lord, send a revival. God grant that this church will be a revived church, a family of God that cares and loves the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, and will be dissatisfied with ourselves to the point where we make some changes, whatever changes are necessary, in our own personal living and the intensity of our life. A lot of times it's not just where our body is. You know, you're here tonight, thank God. Might say this is the cream of the crop. You're, you come to church on Wednesday night. But it's not just a matter of where our body is. How intense is your affection for Jesus? How intense is our love for God? How much do we care about lost souls going to hell? Let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts about this matter. And we'll sing two stanzas of this hymn. If you're here and you're not saved, you've never given your heart to Christ, won't you come to Jesus, trust Him as your Savior tonight? There may be somebody, listen, I want you to think about this. There may be somebody who is God's key to revival in this church. You get right with God, give your life on the altar for the Lord, say, Lord, you can take me and use me however you want to. And God might use that to be the one key. I've seen Him do it in this church before, many years ago. There's somebody, God's somebody. Are you it? Let's pray for God's hand upon us as we sing this hymn and make it real. Lord, have your way in my life. You're the potter, I'm the clay. For the general.